Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. You're listening to In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Wednesday, September 13th. I'm Erin O'Toole. Ten years ago, a large storm parked itself over the mountains and foothills of northern Colorado, and then it just sat there. Normally, storms around here tend to drop some rain and then move along. But this system held in place for days. Some spots saw 18 inches of rain in just a short span of time. That was a lot of water that eventually found its way down into a number of Front Range communities, washing out roads, bridges, and dams, and forcing thousands of people to evacuate their homes. The KUNC newsroom is marking the anniversary of those devastating floods, looking at what's changed and following up on recovery efforts that in some cases are still ongoing. It's hard to look into the past weather record and feel like you know what's going to happen. Now, you know, we have all sorts of events like this, of weather and climate events getting more and more severe. I'm joined now by Luke Runyon, whose reporting is part of that coverage. Luke, welcome to In the NOCO. Hey, Erin. Now, one thing about these floods is that the damage was a lot more than just a layer of mud that needed to be cleaned up. That's why recovery for some of these communities has been taking such a long time. You've been visiting some of those cities and towns that were hard hit, namely Longmont. What did you learn about Longmont's recovery efforts? Longmont, you can kind of divide into two distinct I guess, phases. So initially they had their recovery phase. And this is what a lot of communities along the Front Range faced, where, you know, roads were scoured out by these floodwaters, completely destroyed in in some cases. Uh, You had bridges that were overtopped. You had lots of irrigation infrastructure that was uh, upended by these floodwaters. And so that, you know, took a few years after the initial flood to kind of reconnect utility lines and, and roadways. And then communities like Longmont kind of moved into this more resiliency phase. How do we go about ensuring that if we were to have another flood like this, how do we make sure that we're prepared? And how do we make sure that we can withstand that next natural disaster? Let's talk about the title of this series. It's really intriguing when we talk about the flood changing the front range. We're not just talking about a road being washed out and rebuilt, maybe in a slightly different spot. Exactly. How has the flood changed the front range? What does that look like today? Well, if you're talking about like the way that communities look and feel, there's definitely places where communities look and feel a lot different after the flood than they did before. That's definitely the case in a place like Longmont, which spent tons of money in that resiliency phase going through and making changes to St. Vrain Creek and some of the other creeks that flow through Longmont. Um, And that you know, looks like deepening and widening those river channels to make sure that they can hold a lot more water. So I would say there was a huge investment in kind of creating more flood infrastructure in some of these communities. Same with investments in floodplain mapping. You know, this flood didn't behave like any other flood that we had really seen on the Front Range before. And it kind of 
changed how we think about what's in a floodplain um, because there were areas that were flooding that nobody ever anticipated would be in a floodplain. Um, and so there was a big effort along the Front Range to update those flood, floodplain maps and really kind of try and understand how floods behave on the Front Range. And two, you know, for people who experienced the flood, it was a really traumatic event. And I talked to one person for my story who mentioned, you know, every time it rains now on the Front Range, they get a little flash of, you know, is this going to be another flood event? And so I think that's something that you don't see, but still very much lingers in a lot of these communities throughout the Front Range is feeling like rain can be kind of like an ominous uh, sort of event when, when you've gone through a flood like this. Luke, you and I were both here at KUNC in 2013 covering these events. In a way, it feels <laughs> it feels like such a long time ago. But I do still have very vivid memories of going out with reporters to get photos and seeing parking lots that were just completely underwater. Um, I remember seeing 34 to Estes Park just like broken and, and washed out in places. I also remember getting eaten alive by mosquitoes all the time because everything was just so wet. What, what do you remember most? Yeah, I had just started at KUNC when the floods happened in, in September 2013. And for me, it was this huge event in that I didn't have a ton of experience covering large breaking news or huge natural disasters. Um, and I think one of the things that I remember most from covering that event was just feeling wet all the time for like four or five days on end, just drenched. You know, we were go we were racing between um, press conferences that were being held by sheriff's departments, emergency responders, FEMA. I remember going to a press conference where we had it probably the morning of September 12th. So that would have been like the day when uh, things started to get really severe with in terms of the flooding. And we were down at the mouth of Big Thompson Canyon. We had the press conference. And as we were leaving, they were closing the road behind us because it was starting to, you know, the Big Thompson River was starting to overtop the road. And that area where we were standing ended up getting flooded. So, you know, it felt very, it felt like a very dynamic event and one that I'm definitely going to remember for the rest oh, of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. You said earlier the flood changed life for a lot of people on the Front Range. I know you went on to cover water, and in fact, you created the Colorado River Reporting Project. You produced the excellent Thirst Gap podcast. I have to wonder if the floods and covering those events maybe set you on that path in some way. I don't know if it set me on it in like a conscious way for me, but, you know, this is this was a really... A stark example for me of how rivers can really make their presence known. And if we're not paying attention to what is happening along a river or a stream, something like this can really catch us off guard. And so, you know, maybe in some way this uh, led me on my path to end up covering water. But yeah, I mean, it's it's such a stark example of the power that water can have and the kind of reverence that we have to give for some of these waterways so that they don't, you know, so that we don't get in their way. <laughs> exactly. 
Luke, before I let you go, we should let listeners know you're about to embark on another path. What can you share about what you're doing? Yes, I am leaving KUNC after 10 years as a reporter and editor at the station. And I'm going to be headed to the University of Colorado to help run their water desk at their Center for Environmental Journalism. Uh, it's a, you know, a great opportunity for me to kind of grow and learn as a journalist. And I'm, I'm really excited, even though it's always sad to, to leave a place that you've called home for 10 years. Yeah. Luke Runyon, thank you so much for all your work at KUNC over the years. We'll miss you. Yeah, thanks, Erin. And you can check out that series 10 years later, The Flood That Changed the Front Range, at our website, KUNC.org. And we'd like to know, how is the threat of natural disasters in Colorado changing the way you live? Send us an email at noco at KUNC.org. That's N-O-C-O at KUNC.org. We may use your thoughts in an upcoming episode. And that's it for us today here on In the NoCo. We'll be back tomorrow with more of what's happening in Northern Colorado. Our producer is Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. See you next time.